Welcome to Travel Tales and Takes with Preeti. And as promised, Travel Tales and Takes brings to you stories of wonder from lands far and near, stories of inspiration from people ever so dear, and a little bit of me, Preeti, your host. It's a pep talk episode today. I love having these little pep talks because I feel like I'm getting to actually travel with someone who's had such beautiful experiences at a fantastic destination. and i'm learning all of the watson house as well today's episode is going to be absolutely incredible i promise you because today's guest is nothing short of incredible herself she is a travel blogger by profession and she started her blogging journey way before blogging even became a thing way before social media even became big and all of this has stemmed out of a pure love for travel which is so so evident in all of her work she loves traveling to offbeat places delving deep into culture and history and digging out interesting stories wherever she goes i am absolutely thrilled to have divyakshi gupta from the quirky wanderer here as a guest today talking about a destination in india that's still unexplored and has a lot to offer hey divyakshi thanks so much for joining me today i'm absolutely elated to have you here Hi Preeti thank you so much for having me totally my pleasure and that's quite a flattering introduction so that's really 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 sweet of you it's my pleasure to be here on the show yeah thanks so much and it's absolutely true i feel like everything i said it's it's like what i've seen you do and how i've seen you in your blogging journey and i've been following you for quite a while so your work is genuinely so authentic and is so inspiring in fact it makes even bloggers want to be better so thank you so much for that really i mean it's just amazing what you do in fact i still remember uh, the first uh, time we interacted on instagram was when i saw a very beautiful blue door uh, in your feed and that was i think somewhere in uttarakhand and i followed you then and i even sent you a message message and i said hey can you just help me with this door and where was it and if you know you could help me connect me with the people because uh, i was doing my research on doors back then so that i still remember that very vaguely very faintly you know i have those memories yeah i remember that too and i remember when i got that message I was like oh my god divsi's messaged me like what's going on <laughs> you know your doors of india campaign was pretty incredible right and i think you still follow your love for doors everywhere you go Yes, it is an ongoing project. Uh, of course, the one with Tata was commissioned, Tata Steel, but uh, it's an ongoing research that I do, and I really, really hope to, you know, continue with it and maybe take it to places. Yeah. Yeah, I really hope so too, because that's really that's incredible and also shows so much of diversity within India just indoors. Like, I mean, wow, right? True, 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 and so many stories and so many hidden tales and folklore that people are not aware of. And I'm so glad that uh, my passion made people rethink about doors. And now I see so many people sharing stories, and that's really, really overwhelming. Yeah, I think it feels really incredible, right, to see the kind of impact that your work actually has. Yes, truly. And speaking of you know uncovering stories and hidden gems like what you've been doing, I really want to come to the destination that I'm going to be talking to you about today. I was pretty excited when I saw that you had gone over there because I still feel like you know uh, when one thinks of traveling in India, there is always like this blanket list of names that comes up. You know, like there are some very popular places where tourists just flock to, travelers flock to, but Odisha doesn't come up in one of them. 
and i feel that like it's still in that category of destinations which we call you know untouched raw off beat so tell me more about it like what was it like why did you want to go there what was it all about so honestly uh, preeti uh, there were many many reasons for odisha one was the time of course uh, it was very with i'll i'll probably come you know come to the aesthetic reasons uh you know after some time but the first and primary reason was the time so uh i had this holiday gap that i you know in december last week so i knew that i had to travel during the last week of december and i did not want to burn a big hole in my pocket and i wanted to go to a place which is off beat twisty and less crowded because that is perhaps the time when the entire country has holidays so that was the practical part and i knew that odisha in summers is not possible uh, monsoons gets really really crazy with the rains so i thought it was also a good time to go um so that those were the practical reasons of course uh, the not so practical reasons or maybe the aesthetic reasons were simply the fact that my, my parents my sister everybody in my family had gone to odisha except me so i was really really dying to go that was one state which uh, was on my list secondly i really wanted to cover the architecture of odisha uh, because i had uh, heard about the temples and seen about and even read about the kalinga war and you know the konark temple sun temple i'd gone to the madhera sun temple in gujarat so i really wanted to do this you know this intriguing architecture i wanted to see all of that and capture it so odisha was on my list that was one main reason another reason was like you said i love of beat travel and when people think of india people do not think of odisha as a bucket list state so the reason i travel in india primarily is because it surprises me and uh, even though there are no set expectations there are no set expectations from a place i know the place is going to surprise me unlike you know a city in europe where i know what to expect and uh, odisha i primarily wanted to go because like you said very truly it's raw it's rustic and the people are just so friendly and in fact in the you know the rural belts of odisha which are not commercialized they are not touristy you will find gems like you know real gems uh in even you know in your human interactions people are just so warm so hospitable and so friendly so yeah those were my prime reasons for choosing odisha i think all of that sounds amazing because when you go to a place it's like everything comes together to form this wondrous sort of experience and what you've described and now that we're going to talk about it i'm super excited to know what all it was that actually made it so magical So you're right, you know, like uh, we have all heard about the Sun Temple and Konark and Chilka and all of that, uh, Bhuvneshwar and Puri. I think these are like the most popular spots, right, in Odisha. But yeah, but I also know that you visited some really unique places, and like you said, you managed to go into the rural parts as well. So tell me some stories mm-hmm. from there. Where did you go? So the plan was to cover because obviously it was my first visit to Odisha. So obviously I had to do the tourist circuit of Bhubaneswar, Puri, and Konark. Uh, it is touristy. It is very crowded, but it is a must visit. Like you know, there are certain places which you feel that oh, it's too touristy, it's too overhyped. So you know, perhaps you can just leave it also. You know, there's no FOMO 
because just just don't visit it for FOMO. But uh, there are uh, so many temples in Bhubaneswar. These are ancient temples. I will talk in detail, uh, you know, about them when we discuss uh, uh, Bhubaneswar in detail. So there's just so much in this tourist circuit also, and the best part is this entire circuit of Bhubaneswar, Puri, and uh, Chilka and Konark are all very close to each other. It's like one and a half hour, one and a half hour. So it's very doable. Oh, wow. It's not like one is the, you know, geographically, it's very, very easy to do them uh, in a in a span of, say, three to four days. That's all That's all you require. Mm-hmm. Three to four days to do this tourist circuit. So I, I knew for a fact that I wanted to do the basics because this was my first visit. And uh, because I love offbeat travel, I wanted to do something different. Now, I had read about Raghurajpur while I was researching for Doors of India. And uh, I really, really wanted to visit this place because it was very, very colorful. I mean, imagine a village which is full, you know, it's a it's a vibrant burst of colors. Uh, there are like artists working outside in the verandas and the porches and their walls are colorfully painted and all their artwork is displayed. So it's like, it's like a village this is which has just come out of a storybook. So I really wanted to visit Raghuraajpur. And I wanted to visit rural Odisha, where I was thinking, so I'm a nature lover as well. But my husband, who traveled with me, is not a nature lover. He's an architecture lover. So another reason I chose Odisha was because it has something for everyone. So while I was dying to go to Bhitar Kanika for the crocodiles, or Simlipal National Park, which is which has a beautiful forest. And I also wanted to do Mangla Jodi. So somewhere we had to draw this balance, where I could get one of nature, and he could get one of architecture, and we both could get heritage. So Odisha was like a mixed package, you know. It, it gives, it provides something for everyone. So yeah, in the offbeat uh, sector, I did Mangla Jodi. Because it was migration season, so I visited Mangla Jodi. I visited a lot of these art villages. The entire periphery around Raghurajpur, I did that. I took one full day to, uh, you know, explore Raghurajpur, and the half of the next day to explore the villages around Raghurajpur. So I did that, and I also visited a very, very lesser known, lesser explored district of Odisha, which is called Mayurbhanj which was uh, a princely state, you know, one of the largest princely states in India uh, before we got our independence. And uh, I visited Mayurbhanj. I stayed in a vintage 200-year-old palace called Belgaria Palace. So that was another experience altogether. And there were these architectural ruins. So there was just so much to do that I think seven days, I was there for, not seven days, sorry, I was there for 10 days, but 10 days weren't enough. You were explaining this and uh, I feel like, you know, you're absolutely right. There is definitely something for everybody because a first impression of Odisha might be architecture and beaches, but then you went into the whole wildlife aspect, the whole nature aspect, and even the whole heritage aspect is literally like you've covered the entire spectrum of things that one looks for when they travel. So tell me a little more about Mayurbhanj. I saw pictures from Belgaria Palace on your Instagram. And that property looks yeah. absolutely divine. And they also arranged for a lot of activities around and things that you could see and do, right? Right, right. So, in fact, uh, Mayur Bhanj uh, is 
you know, Mayurbhanj is the district and Baripada is the place. So Baripada is the town and it falls right between Bhubaneswar and Kolkata. So it's equidistant from both the cities, which makes it like a weekend uh, getaway from both the cities. So there are people from Kolkata also who come and stay uh, in Belgaria Palace. It's a fairly uh, new property when it comes to the stay part of it. I mean, it's an old palace, but they've thrown open their doors only, I think, in 2018. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it was not always in the hotel or hospitality business. Uh, besides, uh, the royalty stays there. Like, uh, I mean, there's no concept of royalty right now. I mean, uh, you know, the earth's wild kings. So they stay there. And uh, so we are basically staying in the same palace. And uh, it's an architectural beauty because it has a lot of this vintage French architectural styles which are blended. So it's like this whitewashed bungalow with a lot of influences like British influences, vintage staircases, spiral staircases, you know, those iron wrought staircases. So really, really beautiful with amazing massive lawns. The best part about Mayurbhanj, apart from Belgaria Palace, was that it was just so rural that, you know, you will see women, you'll cross villages with lily ponds. So picture this, okay? Uh, you are, it's, it's a very balmy, you know, afternoon and you're driving past those fields. You see women threshing, like manually threshing rice, no automation. And then you see this, you know, this, this massive pond, spectacular pond with lilies and the reflection of lilies in the pond and something so beautiful. And then you'll see ruins. Uh, you know, archaeological ruins. There's a site where there's nobody. Like, there's practically nobody. So you're inside, you're taking uh, pictures in front of the terracotta temples. Then you move to the next village where there are women who are, you know, working together, making those baskets of sabai grass. They're weaving those products. So it's like a part of India which you always knew, knew that it existed, but you never saw it. You know, you, it was only there in your in your head, but this is that this time you're experiencing it. I think uh, that's a lovely way to explain it. You know, the last part where you said that it's a part of India that we know exists, but to actually go there and experience it is a different experience altogether. I mean, we buy handicrafts, say for example, handicrafts that are locally made, or you know, you know, it's coming from say a tribal village somewhere. But to go down right. to the very source and to see where it's coming from, who is actually making it, just makes it so much more personal and so much more, I can't find that word, it's just so fulfilling, right? Precious, very precious. So I got those uh, trays. I remember I was having this argument with my husband who said there is no way we can carry so many baskets back home. And I told him, I will make way, like I will make space. So, you know, we are taking these things and it was not as if and they were really selling it cheap, which also broke my heart because uh, these are women. I mean, one basket would take perhaps, uh, say, almost a, a full day or two days to get, you know, made a small basket and they are at it like throughout. And they were selling it for so cheap, so reasonable, which also, you know, pained pained me to a great extent but that's the case with a lot of arts and crafts of Odisha. 
Yeah, I think you mentioned right even in your stories it must have been around 50 rupees or something that that's such a pittance right for craft that is really so intricate. True, true, true. In fact, uh, there are so many crafts in uh, Odisha. Uh I I think uh, we could even talk about that because that is that itself makes uh, you know the the craft and the art root itself makes uh, Odisha such a spectacular destination for people who love crafts. I mean, any craft lover would go berserk in Odisha because of the kind of variety that you will find—not just in you know the kind of uh, crafts, but also the colors. So, can you tell me a little bit more about these handicrafts? I mean, I'm sure it changes, right, from district to district, and there's obviously a very distinctive style that is native to each part of Odisha. Right, very true. In fact, uh, uh, let me begin with Raghurajpur because Raghurajpur is uh, uh, is a place that people may have heard of. Raghurajpur is basically known for patta chitra. So, patta chitra is those canvas paintings, and uh, you know it's mainly uh, Ramayana, Krishna, uh, stories of Krishna, Ganesha. Basically, all the Hindu gods. It comes from the Jagannath cult. the jagannath culture it comes it stems from there and jagannath temple itself is very vibrant it's full of colors so when i think of odisha and when i want to explain somebody how odisha is uh, while people might think it to be a very uh, you know uh, not so vibrant state in fact it is one of the most vibrant states maybe we would associate uh, vibrance with rajasthan or gujarat but odisha is no less and i have learned this because of the villages so raghurajpur is one place where i saw patta chitra it's an age old ancient traditional form of painting and it's very intricate so the cost of the patta chitra definitely varies basis the intricacy and the time taken and of course the skill you know uh, there are these award winning artists so i i happen to meet uh, so many patta chitra artists even gangadhar maharana ji who is a award winning national award winning patta chitra artist and he is taking patta chitra the traditional chitra to another level so he is making uh, uh, taking those dense posters to trays something that millennials will buy like some something that you know modern homes will like to have in their home moderns will have uh, so that is one So in Raghurajpur, I also met this uh, person, very humble person called Mr. Ajit Swain, who has founded this organization called Dedicated to People, and I saw him working with the artists at the very very grassroots level, and you have to see it to believe it, Preeti, because these artists come from such humble backgrounds. I have visited them in their homes, and they have some very very basic living conditions. but the talent is so immense that it breaks my heart that we as indians don't know about this talent so there are these uh, you know in these very very small huts we could see people making coir products we could see people making paper mache products you know a uh, very beautifully painted paper mache products uh, so imagine bottles masks uh, elephant masks small tigers miniature jewelry boxes everything made up of paper mache and intricately painted so it was not just patta chitra as such so there's also a form called tal patta chitra which is uh, uh, the palm leaf engraving 
so you have all the dasha avatars of vishnu you have uh, ganesha stories you have the uh, balaji even balaji lord balaji also so you have all of that but that's very intricately painted with a metal stencil and with black paint so you have this entire talpatta chitra which is another form altogether so this is another craft which is also part of raghurajpur then we have the applique work which is uh, you know uh, called as chandua art it's traditionally known as chandua art and it is uh, it is or it has originated in pipli which is very close to raghurajpur so even there we went and we spoke to these artists and i have this you know soft corner for artists because i feel they creators like we are digital creators they are creators they want exposure just like we want exposure we want appreciation for our work and it's so overwhelming to see them show their work with that hope that you know they'll get exposure they'll get their due monetary due as well as you know the appreciation that they deserve so uh, that was really really a humbling experience so apart from pipli and raghurajpur you also have so many other crafts like katak to you have uh, filigree work then there is dokra art in dhenkanal uh, there are so many textiles especially uh, in sambalpur you have those textiles so there is no dearth of art and craft when it comes to odisha it's really you know it's really the place to see art and craft that sounds incredible and honestly i feel like artists and artisans really deserve so much better right especially from their own state and their own country i feel like we can ourselves contribute in some way to their upliftment so was there anything is there anything that you know we can actually look at from our homes here if one would want to source directly from you know these artists how how would one go about that right so uh, that was in fact uh, the exact thought that came in my head when the lockdown struck and i could you know pictureize the troubles that all these artists would face and would be facing because their entire income is dependent on tourists because a lot of tourists go to raghurajpur plus people generally will stop buying in the lockdown so their small businesses were so you know affected so i thought uh, why not you know start a video series where i started one lockdown series on youtube and i also posted it on insta actually it was called the quirky wonder favorites i'm sure you would have seen that and there i listed one of uh, you know some of my favorite artists from odisha also so you can directly buy from them so mayur shilp is one organization where you can buy directly on flipkart they are on flipkart so people can sit in their homes and support these women who were making baskets in the village of mayurbhanj also uh, dedicated to people uh, the it is an ngo where you can directly buy from so mr ajit swain will send you whatsapp pictures and you can place your order and so many of my friends have done that which makes me feel really really happy that i could be that small bridge between the artists and people who value art because that is very important that is that is absolutely important and it's incredible that all of this is so accessible especially now with e-commerce opening up i think there is no better time to actually source these kind of handicrafts and in a way support them as well so i think that's absolutely marvelous and that video was also really really nice uh, it's it's so cool that you're doing that really it's very inspiring thank you 
So Raghurajpur was definitely a highlight then for you. Uh, yes, definitely. And uh, I think what I learned in Raghurajpur from these artists was that all this while I was like, okay, maybe it's just Raghurajpur. But I realized Raghurajpur is just the tip of the iceberg. It's like a cobweb. Because the next day when I went to these mud houses and I walked through fields, like actually walked through fields, you know, those uh, very, very tiny path pathways in the middle of two fields and landed up in a house and saw uh, a group of ladies sitting and painting a sari very intricately. So I was like, wow, Raghurajpur is just the tip of the iceberg. Like there are so many, many layers and layers of artists and villages uh, which are all and so Raghurajpur is just like a marketplace at the end of the day so what we see is like fancy walls we see like a setup it's like a village setup but what happens in the villages around it is mind-blowing so uh, my earnest request to anybody would be if you're going to Raghurajpur just don't go to that main village center where you can, you know, interact with artists, actually go to one of these villages in the periphery and see how things are done. That makes a lot of sense. Going straight to the source is such a beautiful process in itself to actually see all of that coming to life rather than just the marketplace. I think that's one thing that I really love about travel. And I think that's a very useful tip for me too that I'm going to be taking back now that I know. So thank you for that mm-hmm. once again. It's just incredible. I really feel like you go deep into the roots. That's one of the reasons totally. I loved your work. Totally, totally my pleasure. In fact, uh, whenever you go to Raghurajpur, there's another form that I will talk about, but that's uh, not an art and craft form. It's a dance form, which even people from Odisha did not know. So when I was posting about it on my stories, people are like, okay, I'm from Odisha, but I have never heard of this dance form. Yeah, I think a lot of us have heard of Odyssey, which is a beautiful dance form in itself. But what was this other one that you got to experience? Uh, so I got to experience uh, the Goti Pua dance. And uh, this is basically Goti and Pua. So Goti means uh, one and Pua means boy. So the literal translation is one boy. But it's actually a group of boys that performs this Kathak style of you know it's a mix of kathak and odishi uh, dance forms but it's really 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 mystical i mean you have to see it to believe it uh, these are very young boys who are dressed as women so yeah. that is the catch wow. they're dressed as women they never cut their hair they're not wearing wigs so when i first saw a little boy scurrying around the house you know i was i went in one of those houses where they learn you know like gurukuls where they learn this dance form so basically there are gurukuls to learn gotipua and uh, the entire uh, uh, tradition of gotipua also originated from the temples of odisha so uh, there were various reasons where they would not allow women to dance in temples the prime reason was menstruation and it was a taboo, so women could not dance. So that's the reason why they wanted uh, boys to dance in temples. And uh, that's where the entire Gotipua tradition came up, where these uh, boys had to join Gurukuls at the young age of five and continue till 16, 17 and then become a trainer. 
so then after 17 they start training young boys and that's how the tradition continues now uh, it's it's such a uh, you know it's such a spectacular thing to see these young boys dressing up with their long hair wearing gungroos so feminine so graceful it's it's something else so i have not seen such a dance form where they are and it's a it's a mix of gymnastics as well as dance so they will have all these krishna leelas which they will perform and there will be their uh, guru who will be singing so it's uh, hindustani classical music in the back backdrop and to see these young boys it was i think one of the highlights and surprise highlights remember i was talking about how india surprises me this is how it surprises me i mean i had no no clue i will get to see something like this i have to say i'm surprised too because uh, i love dancing and i i absolutely love dance i've trained in dance and uh, even while you know doing performances or learning different styles there is always an influence of like a bharatnatyam or an odissi somewhere but this is the right. first time that i'm hearing about gotipua and it's really interesting that you say you know that little boys are trained from the age of 5 and they continue till then it's like they know what they want to do their careers is charted out and they've just committed themselves to the art and it definitely comes out in the performance i'm sure like because they they they're just so good at it right and because you are a dancer you will uh, perhaps identify with this feeling i got goosebumps when they were performing i mean it was like so overwhelming i was uh, like the music the way they were dancing there were so many thoughts that came in my mind that you know they these are guys who are dressing up as girls behaving like girls having long hair imagine the psychological implications of it you know things that travel makes you actually pause and ponder that this could also happen and this is happening in india and we don't even know about it it's a devotion it's a devotion of uh, you know another kind a deeper level absolutely and uh... It's funny you said that because I had goosebumps when you were talking about it. I still do right now because I feel like dance is a transcendental experience, especially True. when it is performed in a temple in an environment that actually, how do you put this? It it fosters it, right? It's born right. over there, grows over there, and when you see it over there, nothing beats that. True. 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 Very true. Speaking of temples, you mentioned you visited the Sun Temple earlier, but I'm sure that wasn't the only temple you visited. Knowing you for the culture and architecture buff that I know you are, so can we go down the culture lane? I really want to hear about the architecture and the temples and all of that. Right. So the first thing I did uh, when I landed in Bhubaneswar was I went to the Lingaraj Temple. and uh, the, the first thing that the driver told me he was he was a very 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 nice person and we became really good friends and uh, in fact a shout out to nishikant ji nishikant uh, he he was the one who was there with me and uh, he told me uh, please madam thoda pande log se bach ke rehna you know that was the first warning the the pandas of the priests basically uh, so they are known to be very uh, pushy and uh, they'll make you do poojas and they'll ask for donations and you know blah 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 so i was like okay uh, don't worry i'll handle this 
So I went to Lingaraj temple and there was no photography allowed there. It's one of the oldest temples in Bhubaneswar. And it's a temple dedicated to Lord Shiva. I can't tell you, I spent five minutes craning my neck looking up at the architecture. It was mind-blowing. And all the time that I was doing the parikarma of the temple, I was like, why can't I click this? Why can't I click this? Because it was just so beautiful. But then, when I came back and I told Nishikantaji, I said, uh, I couldn't click. So he said, no, no, there are so many such temples where you will get to click. So Bhubaneswar itself has a cluster of temples. Uh, so Brahmeshwar Temple, Mukteshwar Temple, Ra- uh, Radha Rani, Rajarani Temple, sorry, Rajarani Temple. So all these are temples which are of the same period. You know, we're looking at a period of what? Uh, 14th century and all have the similar kind of architecture, the Kalinga architecture. So uh, the Kalinga architecture and all these, some are functional temples, some are not. So Brahmeshwar temple, in fact, I like to mention that in particular, was where I went next morning, my second morning in Odisha. And guess what? I enter the temple and I'm like, let's go in the morning so that there is less lesser crowds and I can get that perfect Instagram shot. Those are the things that are going on in my head. And I bumped into a group of people and I, I was like, wow, these were Odishi dancers. Wow. Yes. No. So they were, da- <laughs> they were dancing right in the compound of Brahmeshwar temple. There was nobody else and there was a photo shoot going on. And imagine a group of Odishi dancers dancing in the backdrop of Brahmeshwar temple which is an architectural delight with the sun rays, you know, falling on them. And I shamelessly butted in and said, can I click y'all? <laughs> so the like, excuse me. So I'm like, no, this is like, you know, I, and then I started giving all kind of excuses that you know, this is the first time I've come to Odisha, please and let me click y'all. And they were so nice and so warm and so uh, welcoming. They allowed me to click them. And I got that perfect picture of an Odishi dance troupe. So again, another shout out to them. They're the Odishi dance company. And they perform even in Bombay, NCPA and uh, the likes. So definitely you can catch their performance as well. But to see them there was something else. That was serendipity. Totally. (laughs) I still can't believe it. You know, it just, everything about that was perfect. Like, you go early in the morning to a temple at sunrise with beautiful architecture and then there's a troop of dancers. I mean, it does not get better than this. I can only imagine how elated you must have been. I was. I was. In fact, I told uh, Nishikanta Ji that we will be back in 15 minutes and uh, I think we spent a good two hours there. What is it about the architecture over there that sets it apart? Because India is home to like varying styles of architecture like it changes every few kilometers every state has a distinctive style and after hearing what you're saying about odisha i I want to know what it is that sets it apart right so in fact uh, apart from the bhubaneswar circuit there are a lot of other temples as well so all of us know about the puri temple the jagannath Mm -hmm. temple which itself is a very ancient temple but uh, the architecture there cannot be clicked so I come to the Puri temple again, but 
while we are on the architecture and why it is so distinct i'd really like to talk about the chosat yogini temple so this is uh, this was i think one of the most mysterious places i have visited in india to be very honest and uh, when i'm saying this you know it's like only one or two other places would have come so close to the the, the mysteries of this temple so it's a very very small temple and uh, uh, it's an open air temple it's open air it doesn't have a roof and it is circular it is circular and it is very close it's uh, very close to uh, bhubaneswar i think it's around just 20 kilometers away from bhubaneswar and um, in a village and this is a tantric temple okay so there were tantric practices so this is uh, which were done uh, no longer done as per the priest there but that is the reason why the temple did not have a roof because the tantric kriyas were so strong and so powerful that uh, they had they you know the people who used to perform it did not want a roof on their heads when they were doing that the temple is made in a circular way because it has 64 yoginis so you have like 64 granite statues of devis and the priest there is so friendly he takes you around and he shows you each devi with the vahana so you know vahana is uh, basically the the vehicle mm. of that devi so tortoise tiger you know owl he'll show you all of that and he'll actually show you the you know how beautifully the statues are sculpted so that experience was something else because number one it was one of the smallest but one of the oldest yogini temples Only then did i learn that there are more of these temples and some are in uh, i think uh, a few larger ones are in madhya pradesh and there's one more in odisha in some other district which was bigger but this was the oldest so this was a unique experience absolutely when it came to temples sun temple of course how can we not talk about sun temple i think i was so excited so excited to go to the sun temple and all that excitement died down when i saw what like 20000 people no kidding i had to keep my camera away i said we are not taking any pictures here oh god <laughs> that crowded yes. it is that crowded it is very very crowded and we went in december last week so obviously there were people pouring in from all districts especially from bengal because bengal uh, there were a lot of bengali tourists and uh, yeah but as a structure i think uh, 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 there's a lot of debate which is going around konark temple in uh, you know in between our uh, architectural lovers and uh, historians so there's a lot of work which is going on there you know like uh, restoration work so you really can't get good pictures nobody can go get good pictures because the entire place is you know enveloped with scaffolding you can't even see it then in that case you can't really see it hmm. and what is saddening is that uh, in bits and parts it slabs so basically all the erotic structures you know there were a lot of erotic sculptures also there are being slowly replaced now how much truth is that 
there in that fact i don't know but what i can clearly vouch for is that that restoration looked ugly <laughs> it looked and in fact i uh, in fact I even spoke to a few people who have closely followed this uh, you know this this issue a couple of historians from uh, orisha and they also have the same view that there are these panels you know it looks like concrete panels so i would say clearly the the people who visited konark temple back like uh, maybe a decade ago saw a better version than what we can see today sadly but uh, that's true no that saddens me <laughs> yeah but uh, honestly i i still loved the fact that uh, uh, they have really really made a beautiful museum there which i i think is one of the the finest state of art museums uh, it's an orientation center which they have made they even have a movie which actually they have an animated movie imagine like which monument has that they have an animated movie of the entire story of the kalinga war and how you know the the sun the sun temple was built and uh, it was beautiful i so think uh, they so it's really informative as well that way right if someone wants to go there and learn about it and just maybe understand what it's about like for a complete newbie totally in fact uh, for any history buff the first uh, room of you know the exhibits there are completely about how india was during ashoka's period so it's like reliving your history lessons and walking through and it's really really user friendly they made very good use of technology uh, because you have those touch screens you know it's not like any other museum So you have touch screens and it's really really uh, it's very well made very ma- well made that's super encouraging it's really nice to see how these places are being maintained and they're actually attracting people to them and it's becoming easier and it's more of an enabler as well that's amazing i just hope they don't change the face of the temple like you mentioned i mean i just hope they don't you know ruin the original structure just to cover up some particular sculptures i don't i don't get that that's it <laughs> In fact it's been so long that uh, you know this restoration is going on that I think the courts have had to intervene and now they have stopped the restoration work so fingers crossed I hope uh, I get to see uh, a lesser crowded and a lesser restored version of the temple when I go next and uh, but uh, I mean hats off to Orisha government uh, for a lot of things because when i visited this entire belt of konark and uh, puri these were the worst affected because of fani hmm. the cyclone hmm. and uh, you could actually see the destruction with the trees and you know uh, uprooted trees you could still see those uprooted trees hmm. and people would show you around and say this is what fani did you know and uh, that is i think the reason why i am also very attached to odisha and i encourage people to go there is that these people have really put a brave face they have overcome and uh, they have overcome and how and they are welcoming tourists and i think they really really need that boost at least from fellow indians no absolutely i agree with you especially after facing that level of destruction and a state that does rely on tourism for its economy as well the least we could do is go and encourage that and it's not that far it's not that difficult to get to 
and it's got so much to offer right right in fact something for everyone uh, and uh, while we are at it uh definitely puri temple also before we finish the section of temples <laughs> one word of caution for everyone whenever you visit the puri temple the jagannath temple i think it's one of the prettiest uh temples is one of the four dhams in hinduism in you know the four highest seats of temples so uh jagannath was an experience which was crazy because of the day we went uh even though i had a local with me and uh, it was crazy because it's very very mismanaged the crowds were insane uh so uh, it's a beautiful temple but no phones are allowed so obviously you cannot click mm. and uh, i a word of caution to everybody would be just go on put up maybe a day uh, which is not maybe a you know a tourist touristy day or a pilgrim day or you know those days like vaikuntha kadashi or you know those kind of mythological days where people there are so many pilgrims so uh, i would have really enjoyed the temple in silence and peace so since you said there's something for everybody you've spoken so much about the crafts you've spoken about the arts you've spoken about architecture the temples what about nature lovers so uh I really really want to do another trip to Odisha because uh, my husband did not cooperate apart from Mangalapuri. <laughs> and I think it was too much to ask for for a person uh, who has never been on a birding trip to go to a place just for birds and even stay there overnight. So we stayed one night in Mangla Jodi. Uh, much to his consternation. Uh, <laughs> 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 yes uh but i quite loved it and i knew that i ha- if i'm going in december so definitely i'm going to mangla jodi i first uh, read about mangla jodi in a magazine and uh, i the story of mangla jodi is very inspiring it is basically a village which was known for poaching it is known for poachers where migrant birds you know like godwits it's a migrant uh, it's a migratory bird so migratory birds were actually eaten they were hunted they were eaten you could find a godwit oh my god in a, yes and then this entire village underwent a change and a change by, by a change i mean not a physical change but a mental change all these poachers became protectors how did that happen so it happened with a lot of dialogue and it happened with a lot of people conservation uh, conservation specialists who came in bird lovers who coaxed these people to actually revive the population of these migratory birds and there was this one uh, um, you know famous poacher i really wanted to meet him but i couldn't and uh, his name is mr behra so he, his surname is mr behra and uh, i wanted to meet him but i couldn't meet him and he was one of the people who was an experienced poacher so first he was taken into confidence then a lot of other people who were following him were taken into confidence and then they were told that you know you can actually you're doing this at the end of the day you're doing this for money 
so why not conserve the birds and then make money out of it you know in the in a very legitimate way and that's what happened in in this case and this entire village so all the guides you find there all the professional bird guides that you find there were actually either sons of the poachers or poachers themselves you know it's amazing how dialogue is enough to create such a massive transformation and it has been done so beautifully in odisha's case yes and you have to see it to believe it because when you're sitting in a boat uh, you know you go obviously it's a it's a part of the chilka lake itself it's part of the chilka so it's like a marshland it's completely marshy and i have been uh, birding since quite some time now i think since 2015 i've been an active birder i go for these birding trips but never have i seen birds at such proximity and so many migratory birds that even my notes were full of names and i was it was just overflowing and then i gave up because they obviously it was the migratory season and the proximity was something else because you're in a non motorable boat it's like with oars and you're the i think i was uh, ours was the only boat that morning you know and it was so peaceful so calm and you could actually see egrets uh, so many varieties of birds uh, <laughs> at just like what an arms distance i cannot even begin to visualize this i simply cannot because the closest i have seen it has probably still been at a tree of a bit of a distance away or at a height right. and you're telling you and you're telling me that you were this close to them very very close and that is the reason why i think mangla jori is a must for birders people who enjoy birding and uh, even my uh, husband who is not a nature person fell in love with what he saw because it was quite a phenomena and especially because you are you sharing the boat with somebody who was a poacher okay <laughs> and now he's a guide and he is telling you stories and he is making you you know uh, recognize the birds identify the birds uh, click the birds tell you tales about the birds so it's uh, it's quite a inspiring story as a community you know that how they have come together as a community to conserve it and almost every migratory season there are so many i think 200 plus uh, types of birds which fly into odisha into mangla jodi and uh, and it's it's actually a, a paradise for nature lovers when is the migratory season exactly so the birds start coming arriving uh, in november first week and uh, uh, they leave at uh, in you know somewhere mid feb feb they're almost there a few uh, packs will be still there you know by feb end but november to february broadly is uh, is the migratory season and are there specialized tours that go out for this or do you need to know some locals for this to be organized so i had contacted mangla jodi eco tourism uh, which is again a local community initiative it's led by a lady a local lady from the village 
which made me fall in love with uh, the initiative all the more because here there was this boss lady who uh, who could not speak english till a few years ago but now she was handling tourists and she was arranging uh, boats and guides and you know it was like a one woman show even meals so there are very simple uh, very simple accommodation that they let out it's almost like a dormitory uh, with very basic meals so i decided to stay there overnight because i wanted to do an early morning boat tour because being the birder i wanted to be there before the birds wake up and you know actually have that period of 5 6 o'clock 7 o'clock to start clicking so the best way to do that was to stay there overnight for people who do not want to stay there overnight because the accommodation is pretty basic so you cannot expect luxury there it's an eco resort it's in it's a very local initiative done by villagers food is made by villagers so if it is not your thing uh, the option would be that you drive down from bhubaneswar which is like a one hour drive but certainly uh, then you'll have to leave bhubaneswar by say 5:30 in the morning and reach manglajori at 6:30 and you can contact manglajori eco tourism who will arrange the boat and you know the guide if i go i think i'm going to do what you did because uh, i'm an early person myself i want to be there before everything else even the birds so i just yeah that's definitely what i would do for sure <laughs> Yeah, but you wouldn't regret it because staying there itself is like uh, you know it's it's an experience in itself. I'm sure this is a very very refreshing kind of an experience, and I think the whole story of the town, all of it, just comes together and makes it something very very unique. I think it's definitely something that you would call a highlight from your trip. Has to be. I mean, it's so inspiring. Uh, the interactions with locals that I've had, uh, whether it be the artists. of ragurajpur and pipli uh, some of them have been even kind enough to show me like take me to the terraces show their temples open their temples and there was wheat which was drying so they would you know uh, actually uh, uh, push away the wheat the drying wheat wheat grains for us and who are we we are just tourists we are just there for 5 minutes 10 minutes and they are willing to do, go that extra mile I think one of the best meals I've had, uh, and no kidding, is at Ajit Ji's house, uh, the person who uh, is the founder of the NGO. And I remember his wife was waiting for us since two o'clock, and we went to their place at five thirty in the evening because we were caught up with this goti pua, which was never part of our plans. <laughs> and we landed, we landed in her in their house, you know, and uh, we uh, and she served us piping hot. something about having home cooked meals at the house of really amazing locals right that just kind of enhances everything and just becomes like one of the best parts of the trip it's always been that way for me i think the people 
and their warmth defines the whole trip or rather sets the tone for me and whenever i look back i'm like ha oh, that was so beautiful totally in fact uh, when uh, the corona scare started in uh, bombay i got a call one day and uh, i it was uh, from uh, odisha the number i missed the call i called back and there was this guy uh, who had called me from this eco resort lotus eco resort which was uh, in konak where i stayed and he called me and he said madam uh, hum log we are calling all our guests from bombay to inquire how you all are because bombay it's really really bad i was like oh my god wow i mean it was like so heart melting heart warming uh these are like the people of odisha extremely extremely helpful warm and uh, i can't begin to tell you that uh, uh, even with mr ajit swain it was like having somebody who's like a family member with us throughout and with no expectations like you know they're not doing it for some uh, ulterior motive or with some expectation very selflessly done how wonderful is that it's it's beautiful i think this is absolutely beautiful and from everything you've told me it's just such a complete experience the people just make it better i feel like everywhere you go you always meet these really lovely people who kind of make you feel at home but everywhere you go it's also so different and so heartwarming it's one of my favorite parts about travel genuinely totally mine too mine too uh in fact human interactions uh, rate uh, very high on my expected you know uh, uh expectations from a trip or learnings from travel per se so you did mention you enjoyed a meal with mr ajit swain and his family which brings me to the topic of food so you were in a part of india that is very famous for a different sort of cuisine and of course like a very different kind of sweets so what was that like you know what i think if i have to talk about odia food na it's pretty much very similar to bengali food they also have a lot of sweets like in odis all these odia people they freak out on sweets but their rasgulla is hot it's piping hot bengali rasgulla is cold right their rasgulla is hot it's piping hot so you uh, you get this in this place called pahala between katak and uh, bhubneshwar and you know these roadside stalls are there wahan pe big big pans and pots and all they have like those dhabas kind and full of mosquitoes obviously uh, but you like you you know like anybody cares at that time and then you're like given this 20 rupees ka one plate of uh, brown like literally brown rasgulla and you have to dig into it because it's piping hot and you're like confused ki is this rasgulla or is this gulab jamuns but it's really really tasty another sweet is chena poda i think ya yeah, chena poda uh, but i think my most memorable meal has to be the one in ajit ji's house because that was authentic and i'm mm. a vegetarian mm. so mm. i couldn't have the fish so really that was like a uh, everywhere there was fish 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 yeah and i couldn't have that but uh, in all the touristy places you get only all your paneer alu tandoori roti but uh, one place i think we stopped was there was a some village where we stopped for an odia thali super duper unhygienic super <laughs> duper <laughs> the best 
the best i mean i was like just bring it on that thali was unlimited and they kept on getting i don't know so many dishes there were so many dishes my god i went crazy and all their sabji they have with rice so even dry sabji has to be had with rice no roti okay so they don't have this concept of roti in the typical traditional odia thali and mm. they have all the condiments everything with rice so sukha bhaji uh, all your dal everything everything with rice but that was i think one of my most favorite odia meals yeah i love how the best stuff you get is either at the the home of a local or like a really run down thela or a dhaba somewhere you'll never get it at the rest any any restaurant i mean like really uh, none of these fancy places will give you that taste at all it always happens like that i, I don't get it but it's a good thing like you get it straight from the source i think that's the best way to have it yes it especially those kitchens of jagannath temple oh my god so apparently you have this entire open air market there it's a market for prashad everything is commercialized in india including temples mm-hmm. so even the prashad na they have this uh, earthen pots to wo pots ko tod ke plates banate hain jo niche matke ka wo hota hai it's an earthen plate and usme they put dal chawal and it's like a prashad so every like 50 rupees you are like given that prashad so apparently it comes from the main temple prashad jo lagta hai bhog that they say the bhog that is the bhog and that can you can actually buy a part of that bhog and take home so there is this entire uh, you know uh, place where you can buy different kinds of prashad to take home yeah oh that's quite useful though you know like if someone does want to take it back with them that's pretty yes. easy for them to do that dry snacks there are a lot of dry snacks lot of dry i don't know i was losing uh, track of what all uh, names there were like crazy names for every sweet dish there with khoya and you mm-hmm. know those kind of brown uh, uh, non bengali completely non bengali sweets Mm oh my god i think i want to just try all of those sweets for sure they sound delicious especially the hot rasgulla and you know what i'm actually glad you spoke about uh, finding vegetarian food because there's something i wanted to ask you about given that i'm a vegetarian too so it's useful for me plus there are so many people who have actually stopped eating meat so it's quite heartening to know that there are options available which is usually not a problem in uh, india per se I usually have like this one moment in my trip where everything sort of comes together for me and I'm like okay this moment right here is why I've come and this encapsulates the whole trip for me like this is it you know nothing can be better than this and this is the best decision I've ever made so did you experience something like that on this trip I have a feeling you did because everything you've told me sounds amazing so did you have a moment like that of course i did i think uh, uh, raghurajpur uh, kind of you know did that for me because uh, uh, i have been to so many villages so many uh, you know i met so many artists uh, felt it to be a little tired with commercial in certain places you know where you have this setup ki people will come they will see the uh, you know artists will demonstrate but this was different this was maybe different because i did it with a local and i did not do it by myself uh maybe because uh, everywhere you know i could see the destruction of uh, the cyclone 
but i could still see people hard working you know uh, there was this time where uh, all these women were having this conversation with me and uh, with with smiles because i didn't know odia translation was very slow because ajit ji was like you are also very fast she is also very fast because we both were very excited there was a time when i met this lady uh, i think her name was ranjana and uh, yeah she was making those coir products and uh, i asked her i said whatever you're making you give it to me i want to buy it okay she was making it like actually from coir and uh, uh, she said you want uh, she, so she uh, definitely said you know excitedly she said in uh, in odia she said uh, you want to buy it uh, so i said yes and then it was all translated the deal was done and with a lot of thinking she said 200 rupees okay lot of thinking and it was quite a big it was a peacock a koyo peacock and i was like so speechless in that moment and i gave her additional money like i gave her 500 for that something that i would have probably paid in an emporium for that hmm. the look on her face okay was something that maybe i don't know filled my heart with joy and sorrow at the same time it was very overwhelming and to see these artists working in those house houses with you know no electricity shortage of everything everything possible but still doing such an excellent job and their dedication to lord jagannath is something else so i feel that their meditation their devotion their faith is their art you know they don't need to go elsewhere to demonstrate it it's there they are you know devotees of their art in their art so that i think was very overwhelming i thought that you know we are just a tiny speck in in this entire travel thing where we come across these people maybe make them feel good about what they do but there's so much more that we need to do i absolutely agree with that there is so much more that we can do and that we need to do and i think that you know you by talking about it in the way you do are already doing something about it because it is making an impact you know even one person who maybe watches your video and goes and buys something from you know a local artist has contributed something oh. and in that way your effect is blooming over there so that is absolutely wonderful in fact when one of my friends uh, gave the order to uh, these artists and i got a message from ajit ji saying that uh, uh, you know because of this gesture because of you being that bridge between the grassroots level artists and the clients you have actually ensured uh, food you know for uh, for two artists for one whole month and that line itself was like you know what it was it was an eye opener it shows that in our privilege of travel we often come across these not so privileged sections which are also equally deserving because of their art and they're so so rich when it comes to their art they're actually so rich because of their art but they don't get their due they deserve a lot better they genuinely do 
Yes. I think that's one of my biggest takeaways from this whole conversation that I've had with you and I genuinely enjoyed every minute of it. I feel like you are such a wonderful storyteller. You have literally taken me on a journey through Odisha with you and I feel like in some way I've lived it. You know, although I haven't been there, I haven't seen what you have. Your passion is truly visible and I love the fact that you're using your platform to actually make a difference and not just show people about the glamorous side of travel or just be like, oh my God, this is a beautiful place. It's also about Mm -hmm. using your voice well and I think you're doing that wonderfully. And you've definitely shown me that in the last, I think, hour that we've been talking for. It's all come out beautifully and thank you so much, Vivyakshi, for being here and sharing all of this with us. The pleasure is totally mine and I hope I've inspired you and I hope I inspire so many others to go to Odisha because I am certainly going back whenever I get a chance. Oh, absolutely. Consider me sold. I've been wanting to go there and now I want to go there all the more. So yes, it's definitely going to happen. And I feel like I'm going to come back and listen to all of this before I go so that I know exactly what it is that I'm going to be doing over there. Absolutely going to go and thank you so much once again. This has been beautiful and I've had a lovely time talking to you. I hope you found it as good as well. (laughs) I don't know. It was an absolute pleasure. I think think I couldn't have had a better uh, weekday or a lockdown day than to go back the memory lane and revisit all of it. That makes me so happy. Thank you. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. You can follow Divyakshi's work at www.quirkywanderer.com. That's her blog. And her Instagram handle is Divzi Gupta. Go check out what she does. She's a fantastic traveler, as you must know by now. And leave some love on her work. And as always, I would love to hear from you. So comments, compliments, feedback, all of it is welcome. You can drop me a DM on my Instagram at peppytravelgirl. You can also hit me up through my blog at www.peppytravelgirl.com. Travels, Tales and Takes with Preeti brings to you stories of wonder from lands far and near, stories of inspiration from people ever so dear and a little bit of me, Preeti, also known as Peppy Travel Girl. I hope you're having a great day or night ahead and I hope you're all staying safe and taking care. Until the next podcast, I will see you. Bye-bye.